0: Hey, good morning, everyone. We are coming to you live from the Ketchikan Radio Center from First City Forum, sponsored by KPU and the Gemini Crystal Wizard. I am your host, Cole Greenup, here today with two people I love dearly, one very local great artist and performer and one (laughs) semi-local transplant great artist and performer. I'm here with Colin and Stasha McCormick here uh, today to talk about their lovely... uh, Tours that they offer and some of the interesting history about the bars in Ketchikan and the significance they have. How are you guys doing this morning?
1: Wonderful. How are you, Cole? Thanks for having us.
0: What's up, Cole? I'm uh, I'm having a great morning. I uh, almost got pooped on by an eagle on my walk down here. I imagine that's a pretty it's
2: uh, a pretty big one, huh?
0: Uh yeah. It was substantial and uh, really surprising because about five feet away, it splattered, and I just went. Oh, that was a savior of my day, because that would have been a walk back home immediately. Probably has quite the radius to it, too. (laughs) I heard it's good luck. Is it?
1: I heard you're supposed to, like, you know, go for it.
0: Good luck. (laughs) Maybe that's just the solace of uh, how bad it must feel to get pooped on by an eagle. Yeah, you got to make something good about it. You're like, I got pooped on by an eagle, but hey, it's good luck.
1: As long as your mouth is closed.
0: (laughs) So uh, you guys run the Ketchikan pub crawl tour, you do some of the interesting walkabout, give the history of the town, you know, get some drinks, it's a really fun tour and I wanted to have you guys down to talk about some of that today, like uh, the path you guys take, like some, uh, some interesting tidbits and maybe some signature drinks that you guys try to offer to everyone.
1: Sure, so the tour goes, uh, the path we take depends on the location of the cruise ship. We meet the guests at their ship, and then we take them to three different bars in town. We have seven bars on our roster, though. So it just depends. For instance, if they're at Dock 3, they're going to go start their tour at the Arctic. If they're at Dock 2, they'll start their tour at the Sourdough. So every tour is a little different.
0: Oh, yeah. Um... So I was curious, do you guys offer like snacks and food or is it just, you know, make sure you eat before you come out because it's going to be a day if you don't. Well, I'd
2: say at first we thought we might do that um, just because that's kind of what the cruise line's... Maybe wanted us to do a little bit, uh, but we're kind of veering away from that, so you should probably eat before you take our tour, and we do, I will say we do suggest as we walk along, we're like, oh, that's my favorite burger spot, you know, or that's my favorite, or you should go here, this is two steps away, you know, Um, so we always try and recommend a good place to eat afterwards nice. to soak up that alcohol you know, before they <laughs> yeah. get back on the ship. Nine, completely blasted. Nine
1: times out of ten, our guests have already eaten at the buffet on their cruise ship and have already had maybe a Bloody Mary or a mimosa before we even greet them. So they yeah. usually come to us already, you know, ready to party at like 10 a.m.
0: Nice. Yeah. <laughs>
2: a lot of people just yeah they come straight on the tour just raring to go
0: it is really nice that you guys offer a tour that's a little different from a lot of the ones in town because uh you get to see more of the local edge of town you see some of like the downtown area some of the Mm -hmm. history you normally wouldn't get if you're you know kayaking misty fjords those are all beautiful tours really fun but this is kind of like the local scoop
2: yeah. Right. We meet some characters along the way. Absolutely. <laughs> That's for sure.
1: We believe the best way to get to know a place is to drink with the locals. And <laughs> That's true. The, they absolutely meet some characters at every bar that they go to. That is for sure. And we encourage, you know, a lot of the regulars at the bars to even come in and introduce themselves. And people absolutely yeah. love that.
2: Well, well yeah. And, the, you know, the locals that get to come up and give their spiel, you know, they love that too. Mm-hmm. That's why. We went in you know to all the different bars already, and we're just talking to the bartenders and all the locals were like, "Oh, you guys are pub crawl, can't wait for that you know and that's the kind of reception we want in the bars you know is for the regulars and everybody to just be excited about it, yeah and you know because yeah. it, it could easily go the other way if, you know if we're not you know talking to everybody and presenting ourselves to everyone
0: Well, the nice thing is. If you've ever been to the bars in Ketchikan, you know those locals are fighting (laughs) to tell that story
2: anyway.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and they have wonderful, colorful stories to tell.
2: (laughs) Yeah, sometimes they're not PG-13. It
1: is an (laughs) adult-only tour, 21 and over. You never know what you're going to hear or see on the Ketchikan (laughs) pub crawl.
0: (laughs) So... There's some crazy significance and history with uh, the bars and liquor around Alaska and Ketchikan Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I had heard that in the past, during the 60s and 70s, when there was a real logging boom, that Mm -hmm. um, the bars had bunkhouses you could sleep in.
1: I did not know that. Um, But I did know that I believe it was the folks had a banking system for the loggers to cash their checks out and little post post office boxes and ongoing bar tabs. I would not be surprised if they offered a place to sleep as well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, our friend Tristan, his grandma was telling us one day about how... uh, The Arctic Bar in the past, a long, long time ago, used to offer a bunkhouse on the side so you could come in, drink all day, you can cash your check, get your mail, get some sleep, and then go back out logging the next day. Probably
2: a good thing that they don't do that anymore. (laughs) That is probably for the best.
0: Yeah. Right idea. Yep. Absolutely. It might be the busiest apartment building in town. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my. By far. (laughs)
2: You know, all the, uh, well, not all of them, but a lot of bars during Prohibition, they actually had trap doors underneath that they would sneak liquor in and out. Really? Um, Yeah. Yeah, so they would, you know, it's, and of course, the whole town is on, you know, on stilts. Yeah. And uh, so you could easily get up under there and they would take boats, especially through Creek Street. Uh, Just little, I assume, rowboats, you know. I don't yes. yeah, yeah. And they would go in and there would be a trap door with a little ladder, and they would just sneak liquor up through the bottoms of all these <laughs> places on Creek Street, which I thought was just really cool. Yes. You know, I'd want to be the one doing that mission, just sneaking through Creek I, Street late at night,
0: in a think, little rowboat
2: uh, and a lantern. Two <laughs> <loves> <laughs> That'd be super cool.
1: Two of Ketchikan's most iconic <laughs> bootleggers were actually Henry and Lawrence Cubley, who went on uh-huh. to open the sourdough bar. Really? Yes. They started that um, during the prohibition. We've actually had two prohibitions in Alaska before the national U.S. prohibition, way before we were even a state. Um, but yeah, they were two of the most famous ones that were doing that wow. at, uh, from the sourdough. Yeah. yeah, shout
0: out to the Cubleys. It's shout out nice to the Nice to see the legacy still in action. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Today, uh, Wally Cubley is he the third, the third, or the or the junior it's is a long running line it today. Of Lots of Cubleys. I lose track yeah. <laughs> of which Cubley it is in in, in order. But it's a long line. Yeah, a lot of them share the same name. <laughs>
0: Um, I was curious, what's the oldest bar still operating in Ketchikan?
1: That would be the Arctic Bar. Really? So the Arctic originally opened in Creek Street in 1937 by Martin Hansen. Mm -hmm. And that stayed in Creek Street until the bar literally fell into the creek. (laughs) And they had to reopen it in 1963 in the location it is now wow. but when it did fall in the creek it, it was december 10 1962.
2: three days after my birthday coincidence i think not <laughs>
1: three days in like some odd years <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> anyways it rained seven inches that day and when the tide came up in creek street the tide got so high that it literally took the arctic bar off of the pilings it emptied the contents of the bar into the creek the safe (laughs) went straight to the bottom with all the money in it and then the liquor bottles all floated out to sea and it said that for months after that there were fishermen like scooping scooping
2: it up netting it up mm -hmm, liquor
1: out of the ocean and then they relocated to the place that they are now Um, And that building was uh, built in 1912, the location they're in right at this moment, and it was originally a Forest Service office, and it had a dock that went down to the water as well, which I think they removed the dock in the 80s or so, but...
0: Probably a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: (laughs) they have the, yes, they have the oldest liquor license in Ketchikan, dating back to 1937.
0: That's so crazy. Mm -hmm. And that's actually kind of led into something else I wanted to talk to you guys about. Like you were saying, they've switched locations Mm -hmm. long since they opened. But um, how many bars have switched locations and like who's done it the most? Because I've heard that the totem used to be on uh, Front Street rather than where it is now.
1: Yes. So the Arctic, the Totem, and the Sourdough have all moved locations, but they all moved locations just one time. But the, what I think is really cool about the Totem is that it was originally Odom, oh, I'm sorry, opened as um, the Totem Room is what it was mm-hmm. called. And it was inside of the Stedman Hotel. Okay. And it was a really popular, very fancy bar, and it benefited greatly during World War II, because during World War II, a lot of the West Coast was participating in nightly blackouts. They'd have to turn all the lights off. That included bars, of course. They were very lively. But because the totem room was located inside of the hotel, there were no windows. So they were able to stay open much longer (laughs) than any other bar in town. And then it was actually sold to Vic Close in 1972, who then moved the bar to the location they're in now in 1982, and they are celebrating their 50th anniversary this year in that location.
2: Another fun fact about the totem, that was John Wayne's favorite bar to go to. He would come up on his yacht, and he would go straight to the totem. Mm
0: -hmm. Really? Yeah. I'm named after a character in a John Wayne movie. Shout out, Grandpa. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Let's go, Grandpa. Very cool. But um, I do love that so many bars in town have their own, not necessarily archive, but their own little history book. Because if Mm -hmm. you go into the sourdough, you'll see all these pictures of... Uh, historic boat crashes, pictures from when they used to play uh, baseball down in Thomas Basin. Mm -hmm.
1: That's
2: insane. Yeah. That is insane that they used to do that.
1: And the mural inside of the sourdough is also, I I know if you've been to the sourdough, you know the iconic mural on the wall. Right above the
2: shuffleboard. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Mm -hmm. That was also inside, I believe it was in the Stedman Hotel as well. It was across the street and it suffered burn damage. Yeah. From when that um, the you know the yeah. huge fire, and uh, they relocated that mural over to the sourdough, but they restored it um, to what it is now. It's a lot more vibrant. I think but it that's used to be bigger
2: so, too. It, it used was to be a lot it, larger. Yep, yeah. yeah,
1: they cut it in half because yeah. they couldn't you know save the rest of it. But if you've ever looked at it and wonder why it looks so smoky, that's why.
0: Yeah, it's a legendary piece. Yeah, it is also like. The size of the painting is ridiculous because it's like, what, 6 by 10? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. And it's it used to be big bigger. Yeah. I
2: forget who the artist was. Wally was telling me. Um, I'll have to refresh up on that. But it's, it's somebody pretty well known.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so is there a signature drink that you guys make sure to offer everyone? Like every time, every tour you go, like, you got to try it.
1: Duck farts. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's so, a, it's a true classic.
1: So many duck farts.
2: Never, by the way, don't ever go down south and order one because people don't know what it is. I went and ordered, <laughs> when we were in Tennessee, I tried to order one and the bartender looked at me like, uh, huh? <laughs> like, Do you know what? how to make a duck fart? Yeah.
0: Yeah, you squeeze it real hard. Oh. oh God! Got him. Sorry, not uh, to class. I'm going to
2: have to use that.
1: There's many stories as to the origin of the duck fart, but the one that I've heard the most is that they originated out of Dutch Harbor, and they were taken, you know, you take a shot for good luck before you head out fishing. And I've also heard that in Dutch Harbor, they put a pinch of sea salt in it. But Ooh, that's that just would what actually I've heard.
0: be good. I should try that.
1: I've never been to Dutch Harbor, but that does sound really delicious, if that's true.
0: When yeah. I was bartending at the Totem, uh honestly mm-hmm. duck farts were one of my favorite things to make because mm-hmm. they're they're so especially cute. when you layer them up yeah. and they look really nice. Oh yeah.
2: Do you layer it with a spoon?
0: Um it depends. If I'm if I'm really trying to be careful, I will use a spoon, but otherwise I'm like
2: just kind of nice and easy. Get a little, you okay. get a little. Well, you've got a bartender's touch, you know. Yeah. I don't have that. I would have to use a spoon.
0: Um so you said that on the tour you guys hit 3 locations per tour, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Do you hit, uh, is there like an opportunity for you guys to hit all the bars in town? Like do you ever stretch over to the potlatch or do you ever get over to, uh, the 49er? Yeah. So we're
1: actually adding on the potlatch this season. Um, we're adding on three new bars this season, but I believe that if we took a group to every single bar in town and gave them a complimentary drink at every single bar in town, they could possibly die. (laughs) So we're not going to be a liability
2: at that point. (laughs) You know, when we had smaller groups, uh, the first year that we, uh, that we did the tour we would be able to take them to an extra place just because you got your drinks so fast and you could just move through town a lot faster um the maximum amount of people that we do on tour is 12 and that's you know it's like herding cats It's wrangling yeah people. it is yeah um <clears throat> but you know when we had a smaller amount of people we could manage to squeeze in another bar but who knows this year? It's it's supposed to be packed. day.
1: We've got a very busy right. cruise ship season ahead of us. Yeah. Well, thankfully.
0: I heard, I've been hearing varying numbers on passenger counts, yeah. but I've heard anywhere from 1.2 million to 2.1 million to 1.4. Do you guys have any better grip on how many people are coming through here?
1: I have no idea, but rumor has it it's going to be the biggest cruise ship season we've ever had. it's really
0: goes exciting. To plan.
2: I think... And I think that's gonna be good for the town too, yeah. not just the tour people, but like, you know, shop owners, just people in town. It's just gonna be a big stimulant, you know, because we've been the town I feel like's been so dormant the past Quiet. you know, two years. And that's not a bad thing. I think at first it was kinda of cool for everybody to be like, Oh, this is what it's like, you know, without ships. Um, which was cool, but then, you know, you're kinda of like, Oh, I kind of wish ships were back. I, I really like that cruise face ship. Money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> That's I am really excited about the cruise ship season though, uh, just because it's nice to see so many people. It's nice to see new mm-hmm. faces, and there's just a different energy about town. Like it's more bustling. Oh, there's a buzz. People there's are a buzz moving. Because mm-hmm. you know, on a normal season where there's the last year or two where we really don't have any cruise ships substantially. It, Feels like people really mosey around in the yeah. summer. it's not that same level yeah. of like excitement,
2: well, you do have a lot more time to go camping in the summer yeah. that's that was for me that was one of the plus sides It's like yeah. we just book a camping trip with the homies anytime now it's gonna be kind of tough but uh
1: no days off this summer let's go get that bag (laughs) yeah we're gonna have fun
0: i just love that when the town's really full and bustling it feels like disneyland because you know we got the pops of color on the main street and it's all walking space it just feels nice Mm -hmm.
2: that's why i'm excited so i'm bringing my family up here um in august and and you know you for me it's like I don't want them to see catch in the winter time so mm-hmm. much as I do the hustle and bustle of summer. You know, that's catch a can. That's how I first saw catch yeah. can. And, you know, I think when people have catch a can, like, you know, they come in in the summer and they're like, oh, my God. You know, that's insane how much is going on. Because there really is. you got float planes flying over, you know, ships pulling in and out. It's yeah. crazy.
0: Well, you know what's funny? I was actually uh, talking to a seasonal the other day while I was down at the fish house. And, uh... They were saying, you know, I've never seen a cruise ship like really up close. Like, oh. Are they really that big? And I went, you get a shadow cast over our town. Like mm-hmm. it's a whole another city that pulls up on us.
2: A mm-hmm. couple of skyscrapers yeah. pulling up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. insane.
0: Um, so I did mention it earlier, Colin. You are a transplant. When did I you uh, When did you end up in Ketchikan?
2: Well, we came when uh, Stasha and I first started dating. Um, we came up here. Was it 2017? Maybe.
1: Yes, that was that would have been your first trip up. Yeah. So
2: I came up here um, and fell in love with the place, you know. And it was, I got to do all the, you know, little touristy things. I went to the end of both roads, you know. (laughs) And I was like, whoa, wow, there's not much road out here. All 30 minutes of the drive. Yeah, all 30 minutes of the drive. Saw both ends of the road. Um, And I got to play with, you know, I got to play music with the Ratfish Wranglers and meet a bunch of cool people through that, too, and, you know. So we left and uh, just decided to come back and do it full-time, you know, with the tour.
1: That's uh, We decided to open the pub crawl, and that's why we yep. came back in 2019 mm-hmm. um, to get that going. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're It's here. a big adjustment at first, yeah.
2: being a down-south Tennessee boy, you know? Yeah. Kind of a country boy <laughs> coming <laughs> up here.
1: Can't keep him out of the bars, no. so. though. Oh, dang, boy. <laughs> he likes it too much. You can
2: keep the boy out of the country, but you can't keep the country out of the boy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeehaw
0: uh,
2: Yeehaw, brother
0: Stasha, you spent a good amount of years outside of Ketchikan uh, when, uh, You came back in 2019 Yep Where all did you go in that time?
1: Well, I graduated from K-High in 2011 And at the time I was working for the Great Alaskan Lumberjack Show Which was opening a another location in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee yeah. Near Dollywood um, so I went down there to do dinner shows. I was performing in that a couple times a night. And then I kind of fell in love with Tennessee. And then we kind of matched on Tinder. And I fell can, in love with can I Can
2: I interject and say <laughs> that it's so weird. So Stasha used to be on billboards in the Smoky Mountains. My family used to vacation to the Smoky Mountains. So we would see my future wife on a billboard when we were on vacation and didn't even know it. It's just I'm gonna insanity. Marry that girl
0: someday. I'm a
2: you see that girl on the billboard? I'm gonna marry that girl. <laughs>
1: And even like a year before we matched on Tinder, I actually went to one of Colin's shows. He was playing in Knoxville. That's true. Really? And That's, I told yeah. my friend I thought the guitar player was really cute, and I've got a <laughs> screenshot from Snapchat to prove it. And then a year later, we match, and we've been together ever since. Yeah, it was weird. We was just weird. got married in Tennessee. It was um, a beautiful yeah, ceremony. Cole it was, was a lot there. of fun. Yep. And it was a lot of fun. Now we're here. Here we are. Pub crawl again. Yeah. We were shut down for two years, but we're back, baby. We Can't back.
0: stop us. Nope. nope. It is. It's really nice to have you guys here because you add a lot to the town's energy, the excitement. Like you guys do shows with uh, K Funk and you know oh, yeah. Joe Williams and Chaz mm-hmm. and all them and mm-hmm.
2: Dude it, Mountain Boys, Slow yeah. Tide, Ratfish Wranglers. The list goes on.
0: The man of many bands. Yeah,
2: <laughs> jack of all trades.
0: And then Stasha also is. Uh, two times over a business owner because yep. she makes some great art. Like she, uh, she does some great products with uh, epoxy. She's mm-hmm. made some great artwork. She's a even made some. Uh, she even made a collection of uh, Austin Otis inspired housewares. Yes, Those- <laughs> I
1: did. <laughs>
0: I Those was- are collectibles.
1: <laughs> they are collect literally priceless at this mm-hmm. point. <laughs> An Austin Otis ashtray.
0: Yep. Yeah. Iconic. Kalaja has one sitting on his piano. <laughs> <laughs>
1: amazing
0: so circling back to some of that bar stuff i wanted to ask because i've heard a lot of different uh stories on it but i've heard that at one time there were 59 bars operating in ketchikan yes there were a lot in
1: 1985. now there were 59 liquor licenses operating. Uh. That's a little bit, you know, so there weren't uh, 59 bars. There were 59 liquor licenses, meaning between bars and restaurants that served alcohol. That was because the pulp mill was at its prime. And uh, that's also around the time that Ketchikan's population started to take off. I think that's when we hit 10,000 people for the first time in town. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, 59. And if you look back at pictures of Ketchikan in the 80s, just the downtown area, it's like every single business at one point was a bar. Yeah. <laughs> really, truly. You know, I mean, it'd be
2: it'd be hard to get through a pub crawl with that many, yeah. That
1: yeah, many bars. It, Jeez, it, I, it, I think Ketchikan was a pub crawl.
0: Well, it's <laughs> honestly, 90s. it's hard to imagine how we could have even supported that many bars. Like, it's insane. Because mm-hmm. 10,000 people, you think like, That's a lot of drinking to be done to keep that many businesses open. Imagine
2: all the little micro cultures within. You know, each bar. Each bar has its own like. It's own clientele, and you go into a different bar, and you're
0: like, oh, there's the regulars here. Oh, there's the regulars here. That would be insane. It's it's weird how that's still true to this day. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you stop by the Potlatch, you're going to meet a lot of the Potlatch yep. regulars versus the Arctic versus the mm-hmm. Asylum. And they all kind of have their own different stories. Because yeah. they, just like throughout uh, Ketchikan's history, they were regulars at different bars at another time.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. It's cool stuff.
0: Um, so... I do know that a lot of uh, bars in Ketchikan have rebranded or changed owners' hands. Mm -hmm. Is there, like, a record for who's done it the most? Because I've heard a lot of stories from some of the regulars. I would
1: think that technically that would probably be the sourdough, but it's been passed down through the family many times. I know that um, at one point it was owned by somebody out of the family, but they they have been passing it down um, generations. I think, what is it, the fourth generation? It's Wally... Fourth generation. You keep asking me
2: that. Up. I'm sorry, Wally. I don't know, Wally. You I don't just know which Wally gen- gen- last I'm, I'm week. I'm sorry. I don't know which generation of Cubley you are.
1: <laughs> You're supposed to be my Kubli expert.
0: They're out know. on the green. So who's
1: your <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I
2: got a I got a lot of good stories. I'm going to break out on the pub crawl from him. You have to come yeah. on the
1: tour, and we'll tell them all to you. Yep. I don't would wanna, love no to. spoilers. Yep.
0: Okay. Yeah, I would say probably the sourdough.
1: Probably the sourdough, but it stayed in the family. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. It is cool to see, though, because for one, there's uh, a lot of local businesses that have been operating for a long time. But to see four maybe plus generations going into the sourdough, it's Mm -hmm. just it's really cool to see that there's like not only a local history, but a family history. Absolutely.
1: And the part they played during the Prohibition, too. I just think that's so cool.
0: You know, I've always wondered about the... The ideology behind the U.S.'s prohibition, mm-hmm. because the statistics show that during prohibition, the average United States citizen started drinking 20-plus percent Way up, more. Way yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't—it was such a weird puritanical thing to push. Like, yeah, I don't was it, that's what a.
2: so for me, it's like, okay, was it a religious thing? Was it, like, a tax thing? You know, I don't know. I haven't, like, researched the real huge meaning behind— Prohibition. But it is crazy because you know, when you can't have something, what do you do? Yeah. You do it more. <laughs> right? So I don't know.
1: I didn't know until we started forming the pub crawl a few years back that Alaska actually had two prohibitions before the National Prohibition, which I thought was fascinating. And I've also heard that Alaska's Second Prohibition influenced the National Prohibition because hmm. they saw what we were doing <laughs> up here and they're like, well, we'll do that too. We'll do it and it too. completely backfired. A
0: bunch of bandwagoners, yeah. the lower 40s. Huh? <laughs> Absolutely. They're copying us. Yeah. Um, do you, off the top of your head, know when the first uh, like National Prohibition started?
1: Yes, the first National Prohibition actually started in it started in 1920, but the second Alaska Prohibition started in 1918, only two huh. years before that. Wow. Wow. Um, the very first prohibition in Alaska started the year after they bought Alaska from Russia in 1876. Um, The first prohibition did not work because we did not have anybody here, um, there was literally no police force whatsoever, Um, so it it didn't really go as planned and they ended up actually just getting rid of it. But the cool thing is that when they got rid of the first prohibition, um, they Created a system of what was it called? Uh, They they basically what they did was they allowed the people who lived within a two mile radius of a person who wanted to obtain a liquor license to vote on whether or not they would allow them to get that liquor license. And it was the first example of women ever having any sort of right Mm -hmm. to vote on U.S. soil. I believe that was called it was
2: called a system of local option.
1: Thank you, system of local option. So yeah,
2: you could you know. You could vote no. You could vote yes.
1: Yes, but um, that was the first time they ever allowed women to vote on U.S. soil. We mm. were in a state. We, I don't even think we were technically uh, a, considered a territory yet.
0: Yeah, because we weren't a state until fifty nine. <laughs> exactly. I think. Yeah.
2: Imagine all the problems that caused. Like, <laughs> you know, like as a you know a family, like the man's at that time was yeah. going to go out and you know drink and drink and drink and the woman was probably like i'm gonna vote no
1: that is <laughs> exactly no. the reason i don't want
2: you out and that is, no. a,
1: that is exactly the reason why the second prohibition started in alaska mm-hmm. two years before the national one the women's christian temperance union formed in alaska oh, yeah. and with the help of our new we became a territory and with the help of our new territorial governor his name was john f.a strong the Women's Christian Temperance Union and him came together to start the second prohibition because of Creek Street and like all, not just in Ketchikan but across the whole state, yeah. the gold rush was going on. They discovered gold and our population skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. And after they made all these bars legal, it completely backfired and it made all the dangers. wives angry. And then yeah. they got together and they were like, well, second prohibition.
2: I wish we could pull up a picture of John F. A. Strong because the reason I think his name was that because he had a really strong mustache. Yes, yeah. if you his can, mustache was so strong. If
1: you're That's listening I, and you what, have access to Google Images, Google that man. <laughs> that and is a see strong, strong mustache. Yeah.
0: It is funny that uh, Creek Street played a part in the Prohibition coming to Alaska because I don't know if most people know, but the history of Creek Street is a lot of philandering, crime, mm-hmm. prostitution, mm-hmm. lots of it. it It's really exciting.
1: Yeah, a lot of the boats were laying over in Ketchikan on the way up to Skagway in that area for uh, to go see gold. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the reason why our population started to grow was because people would literally get stuck, get stuck yeah. here <laughs> and not even money. go any further. And they would find Creek Street and they'd find a job. The pulp Mill had just opened where yeah. the Lumberjack Show is located mm-hmm. now. Or not the pulp Mill, I'm sorry, the Spruce Mill opened. Um. The world's largest Spruce Mill at the time was open right on the location of the Lumberjack Show. And salmon canneries mm-hmm. and the red light district Yeah. <laughs> so yeah because
0: well, uh if y'all remember dolly they said what she was doing it for about 35 40 years uh, and she a she, long uh, time crossed the million mark a long time she was
2: a businesswoman she was a lot of work that yep. is a lot of work
1: yeah she paid for that house in cash i heard mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: you know w- what's interesting to me about the prohibition happening right in like 1920 right in that area mm-hmm. was actually That was the same time that, federally, our government was pushing to criminalize cannabis.
1: Mm, Yeah, that would make sense.
0: Which, yeah. like, I, I wonder what was in the air that year because something had to be going know. on.
1: We were having too much fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> they were like, 1919, women can vote. we got to figure this out.
2: And they, oh, it probably also they couldn't tax yeah. a lot of things just yet. That's so, a good point. You know, oh. it was like, oh, we can't tax it. It's going to be illegal. Yeah. Or, or, you know, they're still figuring out ways to tax it, I guess.
0: Well, oh. what confuses me about the tax around alcohol is I can uh, buy all the ingredients and the machinery to mm-hmm. make alcohol and pay all the taxes on it. But if I don't have a license, as soon as I make that alcohol, it's now considered untaxed. Well,
2: you look at moonshiners, too, like back in Tennessee and Kentucky and all that. Um, they would just, you know, they had little moonshine stills mm-hmm. out in the out in the boonies. I imagine it was the same way, you know, with marijuana, too. It's like, oh, well, you don't even really need that much to grow marijuana, especially back then. Yeah. So it's like, how are they going to ever know that somebody's growing it? Just like the moonshine thing. How are they going to know somebody's making moonshine? So they're like, I think it's a tax thing.
0: That makes sense, yeah. especially because, like, uh, the crackdown on moonshiners is really ridiculous. Because, mm-hmm. honestly, if, if you've ever tried someone who's been doing it a long time, like, their craft is yeah. good. They know what they're doing. I had doing. some
2: back home in Tennessee when I was growing up, and it was the real deal, like the kind with the apple still in the yeah. in the jar, in the mason jars. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, mom, if you're listening.
0: When I was visiting my sister in Tennessee one time, I got to try it, and I ate the peach right out of it. Yep. And, I thought there would be some peach flavor in it. But, nope. oh, it, it soaks like Uh-oh. a paper towel.
2: I think one of my favorite moonshiners of all time was Popcorn Sutton.
0: Popcorn if you Sutton.
2: ever just <laughs> go home and Google that, Popcorn Sutton, he was the man.
0: I've heard the name, but I don't know any of the history. Yeah,
2: he's a le- he was a legend
0: um it's always interesting to me the history of like uh, moonshiners just because in alaska we had like you know bootleggers during prohibition and all that but as far as i know we don't have any history of like revered like revered moonshiners that was mostly mm-hmm. like relegated to the south mm-hmm. and i've always wondered why that is because what about uh, the south help people get their moonshine well gone? they
2: used i'm pretty sure they used a lot of corn and oh. i don't think can you really grow corn here
0: I'm trying in my greenhouse. I've never with seen no anybody success. do corn here. My mom grew corn here when you actually it never breached, like, you know, two feet tall, but it was good.
2: Yeah. I, I would assume it just had, had something to do with like the environment and what grows here. I mean, you can, I'm sure you can, I don't know much about moonshine mm-hmm. as far as how to make it, but I assume it's like what ingredients were, you know, easily accessible. Okay, well, yeah. So that's what I think.
0: Mm-hmm. So, um,. Who's your favorite bartender in town, and why is it Kalijah?
1: <laughs> I was like, wait, you can't set me up for this. I, I love all my bartenders equally, but why is it Kalijah? I'm just kidding. No.
0: No. Uh, have you guys got to visit him yet?
1: Uh, yes, we have, and he makes uh, great drinks. He does
2: yes. make a good yes. drink.
0: Yeah, don't forget to stop by the 108 Tap House and visit our mm-hmm. friend Kalijah. Mm-hmm. He'll make you a good drink, and D- he'll yeah. serve you a mm-hmm. good burger.
2: Disclaimer, they are not on our tour, but... It is a great spot to stop and eat and have a drink.
0: They would have been on your tour a couple years ago because they used to be Mike's Elbow Elbow Room. room.
2: You know, we played uh, K-Funk. We played the last, very last show in there, the very last night they were open. And it was so crowded, too. It was like, it literally felt like, you know, as wide as the studio is that we're in right now. It's like that, but all the way to the back. And so we were just like crammed in the corner playing and you had people just running into you and stuff while you're playing. But yeah, Mike's Elbow Room, that mm-hmm. place was awesome.
1: And it used to also be called the 108. It was a bar called Sally's, Sally's 108. 108. Yeah, huh. it I was did also
0: not know that. I learned that a couple months back when I was working at the Totem because um, one of my regulars came in and handed me a chip, and it was this bright yellow chip that looked like it was, and it was a Sally's 108 chip. Oh. I have it in my room, and it's it's just crazy to think that there's all those kind of little relics floating yeah. around. Because now I want to see how many bar chips I can hunt down from all the bars in Ketchikan's history.
1: Well, if you find any more, let me know. Uh-huh. <laughs> I want them. We should make
2: a table out of bar yeah, chips. Oh, that would be, be really, like cool. really cool. resin and bar chips. Mm-hmm. That'd be super
0: cool. I'm always surprised that not everywhere does uh wood nickels i thought that was yeah. i thought that was standard you can go into a bar and say you know i'm gonna buy five chips i'll be back later i didn't know that when I went down to tennessee no they don't have them down there yeah <laughs> they don't have them it's like down what there. the heck <laughs> it's so fun not, not only because like you can take them home if you're a tourist or you're on vacation mm-hmm. whatever but just having that is such a fun keepsake and it's such a good way to say like well i got the chips i might yeah. as well go down there That's yeah it's true
1: absolutely
2: it's a great way to drink for free, though. Yeah. You know, when you get, because on our tours, people a lot of times will want to buy us a drink or something, and we're like, eh, well, we'll take a drink chip, you know, and save it for later. And then we go out on the weekend, and it's just like
0: free, drink. yeah, free
2: drinks. A free drink.
1: Cash in on our, yep. our drink chip. Yeah, it's our, like our, when you go to mess, a casino
2: yeah. and you you put all your chips and they give you your money that you made or lost is yeah. that that kind of thing that, that feeling.
0: That's actually another thing about Ketchikan bar culture that because you know local for life, I didn't know it was not common everywhere is ringing the bell. That yeah. Is-
1: that or it means something different in other parts yeah. of the, there are bells in other parts of the world but sometimes they mean something different so I know I don't know I've I've heard from a lot of my guests that the bells and where they're from it just means everyone drinks so yeah. people on the tour will walk in and try to ring the bell to get everyone <laughs> to drink I'm like no 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 no, uh-huh. no 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 no, no, don't do that don't do that or actually if you want to yeah. you'll quick, make a lot of people happy quick way
2: to make friends but Fine. yeah that was the first thing Stasha told me when I went in or when when we went into a bar in Ketchikan, she was like, don't ring that bell unless you plan on paying for everyone in here's drinks. I was like, huh. Yep. I'm not in Tennessee anymore. It's
0: <laughs> Honestly, just uh, I always see it as such a fun way to get everyone riled up. Because yeah. Because one of my first, like, bar, uh, bartending at the Totem was one of my first bartending jobs mm-hmm. ever. And uh, I had uh, two fishermen come in one day. And there's maybe 12, 15 people in the bar. It's kind of a light day. But I have two fishermen come in off their season and say, i just made 60 grand and they run <laughs> the bell 25 times in two hours
2: oh that's i ran out best. of
0: chips i was sprinting around writing ious on paper and signing it like <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. i love it it just it's a really fun atmosphere at the bars in ketchikan even mm-hmm. if you're not there to drink and you're just mm-hmm. there to play pool and hang out it's it's always a good energy. Yeah.
1: Yep. That's what we want our guests to see and how we want our guests to get to know Ketchikan. A lot of them don't see what we see or get mm-hmm. to meet the people that we yeah. meet. And so when we get a guest that's from Texas and they're on a cruise ship and they're here for the first time and they walk into any of the bars in town, it's like they're just, I did it. I made it. I'm on vacation. <laughs> yep. This looks like the deadliest catch out here. Like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, they love it.
0: It is. It is kind of funny though, like because you know in the last few years, uh, breweries have been com- becoming more popular and mm-hmm. popping up all over the country. Like people go hang out, like eat food there. Our bars have always been like the way they set up breweries down there. Yeah. Like you don't have to be there to drink because it's a good time anyway. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: I love one of my favorite things is ordering uh, Burger Queen to whatever <laughs> bar I'm at. You know, it's just that's that's a true catch a can experience yeah. right there. It's Absolutely. A classic.
0: A classic. Well, do you guys have anything else you want to plug? Any other dates or times you want to remind people about?
1: Yes, yeah, so we are participating in Local Ford Day that's going to be going on May 7th and May 14th. And if you would like to come on our very special locals only tours, you can call 907 617 5055. Or you can visit our website, myalaskatours.com, and book tickets for May 7th or May 14th, and we'll be meeting at The Rock. We're going to head on out and have a good old weekend. Kick off your Saturdays right
0: going to be a great weekend. Yeah. yeah, and don't forget, if you can't make it to the local for a day, you can always just buy a ticket to head out with the tourists and get your <laughs> own. That's yeah. true. Yes, That's true.
1: Absolutely. You'll get to know your bar, your local bars a little more. We'll mm-hmm. give you a lot of history. Um, you know, We'll talk about the history of the Pro- uh, Prohibition a little bit more and Ketchikan and everything so you can learn, you can drink. It's like a drunk history lesson. Yes. And it's mm-hmm. a lot of fun.
0: And they always have personalities on the tour guides. It's always never going to be a low time. Nope. Yes.
1: And you get a free drink at the bar that you go at all the bars you go to. That's so true. Nice. Included in the price, we're going we're gonna get you some drinks as yep. well. Yep.
2: And the last thing I want to plug is come see K Funk and the Dude Mountain Boys and every other band I play in. I'm at Salmon Falls Friday and Saturday nights starting in May. Let's go. Uh, so come see me play some music. And uh, shout out to my mom. Love you, mom.
0: Uh, thank you so much for coming in, guys. It was a great time today. I'm your host, Cole Green. I'm coming to you with Colin McCormick and Stasha McCormick from our uh, First, City Fonsor, uh, First City Forum sponsors, uh, KPU and the Gemini Crystal Wizard. Have a good day, everybody.